Welcome to Sensible Chat, the show dedicated to making dollars and cents work for you. There's no denying that knowledge is power, and that's what these episodes are all about, empowering you to take control of your money through proper planning, better budgeting, and sensible spending habits. Your host, Sensible Bobby, is always looking for ways to improve spending, save a buck, and make sure you have the best information to make the best choices with your money. You can reach her at sensiblechat at gmail.com. Now, putting in her two cents, which is actually worth something, here's Sensible Bobby. Merry Christmas, everyone. I know you're in the holiday spirit right now, and if you're not spending time with family, you're running around trying to get everything done so you can spend time with family. But in the midst of the holiday rush, don't forget that a new year is coming, and it could be the perfect opportunity to change your life financially. According to a recent study by Principal Financial, the top financial New Year's resolutions Americans make include saving more money, paying off credit card debt, and building an emergency fund. (laughs) I think a better study would be to find out how many people make these resolutions versus how many keep them. I mean seriously, how many times have you made a New Year's resolution as nothing more than a passing thought that spilled out during a family gathering? For me, many times. But if it's a goal you're serious about pursuing, take some time to think it through a bit more and you might have a chance of actually making it happen. So let's take each of the top financial resolutions individually and see what we can come up with. Number one is saving more money. Really? That's it? Let's think about that wording for a minute. Saving more money. Well, how much did you save last year? If you know, then it won't be hard to save more this year. Follow the same plan you used last year and throw an extra penny into the mix. Done. Happy New Year. And if you don't know how much money you saved last year, how can you possibly strive to save more this year? The point is we need to be a bit more specific about our goals. Let's start with something easy like, this year I want to save $1,000. For many people, $1,000 could come very fast, but for many others, it might as well be 100000 But what if we broke it down? If your goal is $1,000 in one year, you've got 12 months to make it happen. So, if you establish a monthly goal of $84, all of a sudden it seems much more doable. Whatever your savings goal is, break it down into pieces instead of looking at it as one entire daunting number. And here's a tip. If you're saving for something specific, believe me, it's going to be a lot easier to reach your goal than if you're just saving. It gives you focus, purpose, and something to look forward to. For me, it's been a huge incentive to keep going when I'd rather spend that money on something else or squander a few bucks on a fleeting purchase. And by the way, the sense of accomplishment when you reach that goal is awesome. Try it. You might like it. Okay, let's say you're on board with all of this. How much can you save? In order to answer that question, you have to have a clear picture of your current finances and a spending plan so you know exactly what you're working with. No point in putting money into the savings account only to pull it out because you have to make rent. We'll talk about how to figure all of this out later. For now, let's move on to the next item on the list of top financial New Year's resolutions, which is paying off credit card debt. Who wouldn't want to get rid of those pesky payments that serve as a reminder of the horrible blind date you had a month ago, or those clothes you bought a year ago that are still hanging in your closet with the price tags on them? 
or the Christmas gift you picked out so lovingly for that special someone and couldn't wait to see their eyes light up when they opened it. Who cares that you spent too much? The reaction would be worth it. But all you got was a forced smile, a faint thank you, and a, did this come with a gift receipt? And that was last Christmas. You're still paying for it. But the good news is the minimum monthly payment's only 25 bucks, right? Yeah, that's how it started with the blind date. But then you added the clothes and the monthly went up to $50. Still doable. Christmas gifts all on credit took your monthly up to $100. Irritating, but whatever. Then there was your best friend's wedding that you were ecstatic to be the maid of honor for until you learned of the financial obligations that came with it. There was the cruise you took in the summer because you've worked so hard this year, you deserve it. And on and on until your monthly minimum is more than your car payment, and it's getting harder and harder to come up with all that money each month. Plus, you dream of what you could do with that money if you didn't have to fork it over to the credit card company. And remember, you're only paying the minimum. Read your statement to find out how many years it'll take to pay off the entire amount at this rate. I once saw 25 years on mine. See, if you're truly ready to pay off credit card debt, the first thing you have to do is be truly ready to stop racking up new debt. Otherwise, there's no point. I've seen too many people get an inheritance and decide to do the smart thing, pay off all their debt. It feels so freeing for a little while. But their lifestyle hasn't changed. They're still spending. And before they know it, they're right back where they were before. Minus the inheritance, plus the buyer's remorse. The easiest way I found to begin this change was putting myself on an allowance. One that I could afford without using my credit card and still cover all my necessary expenses. I tried just having a number in my head, but it was too hard to keep track of all the electronic purchases, making sure I didn't go over my limit. So I turned to cash, and it worked like a charm. Now I go to the bank every week and withdraw my allowance. If I have cash in my wallet, let's go have some fun. If not, I've got to wait until I get next week's allowance. For me, it's every Friday. I highly suggest picking a specific day and sticking to it, because it provides consistency. It's such a habit now, I look forward to allowance day instead of focusing on all the money I can't spend. This may feel limiting at first, but keep your eye on the prize, being debt-free. Remember, this isn't forever. Once you pay off your debt, you'll be able to keep more money in your pocket every month, which means you can increase your allowance. Once your spending is under control, you can shift focus to paying off debt. The first thing to do is make a list of all your debts, amounts due, and the interest rates for each. What order you pay these off in depends on who you ask. Some experts say hit the highest interest rate first. And that makes sense, because the higher the interest rate, the more money you're paying on top of the amount you originally charged. But if you owe a lot more on this debt than one that may have a lower interest rate, it could make sense to go for the lower balance first. This is because, if you're anything like me, you need the quicker wins, even if they're smaller, to keep you motivated enough to get to the bigger wins, which will take longer. You're the only one who knows which way works best for you. Take some time and play with different options. There are a ton of calculators online that can provide scenarios for how much interest you'll save and how long it will take to pay off your debts, depending on which way you decide to go. My favorite is Undebted. 
and you can find a link on the resource page at sensiblechat.com. Whichever debt you start with, you still have to pay all of them monthly, so here's how to focus in. Pay only the minimum amount due on each of your other debts. Then, put as much money as you can to the debt you've decided to start with, and throw the same amount at it each month. I used to pay more than the minimum amount on each of my debts, thinking this was the smart way to go. But it felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. I was frustrated. And after doing the math, I discovered it would take much less time and save me a ton of money to focus on one at a time and simply stay current on the rest. It worked like a charm. Now here's where it gets really good. Once you pay off the first debt, take the money you were paying each month and add it to the minimum payment of the next debt on your list. Now the amount you're paying each month is even bigger, which means it will be paid off even faster. Keep doing that until all your debts are gone. You'll be surprised how much faster they disappear this way. If you want to get even more aggressive, you can have a garage sale or sell stuff on eBay and even get a part-time job. But there's also a way to get more aggressive just by being a bit more disciplined. Simply put any extra money you have in a certain month toward the debt you're currently focusing on. So, if you usually spend $150 on the electric bill, but this month it was only $130, beef up your debt payment by $20 for that month. You'd be surprised how much of a difference little amounts can make here and there. And it's better than blowing it on some frivolous purchase you'll regret later. If you've already made the payment for that month, save the $20 and beef up the payment next month. So how do you know how much you can pay toward debt? Just as with saving money, you need to have a clear picture of your current finances and a spending plan so you know exactly what you're working with. This is even more important for paying debt than it is for savings, because if you pay too much toward your debt but leave yourself short for another bill, it's going to add to your debt and your stress level, which is what we're trying to eliminate here. Again, we'll talk about the financial picture and spending plan in more detail later. Finally, the third in our list of top financial New Year's resolutions, building an emergency fund. This is the most important one to tackle, no matter what age you are, and I would implore you to do this one first. Now, why should you do this before tackling debt? Why not hit the debts first, since it's costing you more each month with those outlandish interest rates? Because if you're throwing all your money at paying off debt and something happens, how are you going to pay for it? Probably with a credit card, which will defeat the purpose of paying them off. Shift your focus. Your credit card is no longer for emergencies. Your emergency fund is for emergencies. If you can plan ahead for an emergency, not only will it save you a ton of money not paying interest rates, but it will save you a ton of stress. An emergency is stressful enough without having to worry about how you'll get through it financially. So let's build the emergency fund. Many experts say you should save $1,000, then you can hit your debt and get back to building it higher once your debt is paid off. How much you truly put in is up to you. $1,000 can go pretty fast if you think about car or home repairs or unplanned medical expenses, but it's still a good start and anything is better than nothing. Decide what number works best for you and start working toward it. So how do you build the emergency fund? If you go online, you'll again get great ideas like selling stuff you no longer use or taking on a side job. And those are great if you have the stuff or the time. 
If you don't, or even if you just want another option, try refocusing your money. Again, to do this, you need to have a clear picture of your current finances and a spending plan. This will tell you how much money you have to work with after covering all your financial obligations. The more that's left, the more you can put toward your emergency fund and the faster you'll reach your goal. We'll talk more about how to create your financial picture and spending plan in just a few minutes. First, I want to dissect the emergency fund just a little bit. For many, $1,000 is a daunting number that seems like it will take a lifetime to reach. So let's break down the dollar amount and figure out what emergency actually means. We think about emergencies as events that come out of the blue, totally unexpected. But we're usually talking about something happening to our car, home, or a visit to the emergency room, right? So instead of creating an emergency fund with one big pile of money, you can break them up into a car maintenance fund, home repair, and medical fund. These categories encompass the majority of things that constitute financial emergencies in our lives. And we don't know when it's going to happen, but we know eventually something will happen. Have you ever owned a car or a home where repairs weren't necessary at some point? And maybe you'll never end up in the emergency room, God willing, but there will still be surprise expenses that aren't covered by insurance, so you can never go wrong with a medical fund. For some, like me, it's important to break up your emergency fund into more specific categories in order to keep your grubby hands off of it. If I say it's an emergency fund, can I define finding out at the last minute that my favorite band is in town for one night only as an emergency? Um, yes. <laughs> but if I say it's a car maintenance fund, not so much. And I'm telling you, the psychology of this works. I don't know why, but it does. Give it a try. If it doesn't work, you can always rename it. And the other thing is, let's say you have three different subcategories of emergency savings. And let's say your transmission blows out, but you only have $500 in your car maintenance fund, with another $1,000 in your home repairs fund. Well, you can use the money from your home repairs fund to supplement what you're missing in the car fund. Granted, now your home repair fund is depleted, but you didn't have to use your credit card. And you can immediately start replenishing both funds. The other major financial emergency would be losing your source of income. That's why experts suggest that after you've established your emergency fund and gotten out of debt, you should save enough money to cover three to six months worth of expenses. All of these can seem like big, daunting tasks, but don't let the numbers stop you from reaching your goals. First of all, anything is better than nothing, so if you don't reach your full goal, but you get partially there, you're still better off than you were before. Second, little numbers add up to big ones. Now this can be good or bad. Those $5 purchases you think are okay because they're small? Those add up to big money if you do them often enough. Don't believe me? Go through your bank or credit card statement for last year and see how many under $10 purchases you made. Then add them up. I think you'll be surprised. So this year, put those small amounts to work for you instead. I have a spending plan for each paycheck I receive. I have an amount planned to spend on each bill and expense. I like to budget high. For example, in the spring, my electric bill is $60 or less, but in the winter, it can get up to $130. So I budget $130 every month. If the bill turned out to be $130, I'd have to pay it, and I don't like surprises, so I plan for the worst. But during the months when it's under $130, I put the amount left over towards my savings goals. 
I also recently gave myself a rent increase. Again, if my landlord was to raise my rent, I'd have to find a way to pay for it. So this fake rent increase serves two purposes. If I ever actually do get a rent increase, it won't be a punch in the gut because I'm already used to budgeting for it. Second, until that time comes, I have leftover money from paying the rent that I can use to hit my savings goals. And here's what I'm doing right now. I've hit my debt payoff goals and short-term savings goals. I was going to start on my three to six months worth of expenses, but it just seemed like such a big number I didn't want to tackle it. So now I'm taking any leftover money from bills, expenses, and my fake rent increase and putting those toward one bill at a time until I'm a month ahead, then moving on to the next one. This is my way of saving the three to six months worth of expenses in a manner that doesn't seem overwhelming, and I'm slowly breaking the paycheck to paycheck cycle. Now, these are all good New Year's resolutions, but how do you put them into action? The one thing that all resolutions or goals have in common is that you need a plan in order to achieve them. And in order to make a plan, you first have to know where you're starting from. Liken it to taking a trip. Now I know you always hear about how you need a roadmap to get wherever you're going, but knowing your destination won't help if you don't know your current location. So let's start from the very beginning and get a clear picture of your current financial situation. This is often the toughest part because while you want to make changes to your life, you may be afraid to face the reality of your current situation. If this is you, take a deep breath. Remember that you are not alone. Many have found themselves in the same situation you are. And know that fear of the unknown is usually worse than reality. When I took this step, I was astonished to find out how dire things really were not. And I kicked myself for not having done it sooner because the stress I put myself through was really unnecessary. Maybe it's not fear that's stopping you. Maybe it's the time you're going to have to put into this dreaded task. <laughs> I can assure you, the time you've already spent dreading this task is far more than the time it will take to actually get it done. And maybe you haven't tackled it because you just aren't sure how to get it done. Well, here's a step-by-step -step action plan. First, either get comfy at your computer with a blank Word document or gather a bunch of scratch paper and a pen. Pause the recording and do this now. Next, write down all your income sources, including how much after taxes and how often you're paid. This includes your paychecks, alimony, child support, second job, investment dividends, whatever. Any money you're receiving on a consistent basis. If the amounts differ, use your best estimate, but estimate low. In other words, if your paycheck varies between $450 and $500, write down $450. This way you won't plan for more money than you get, and if you get more than expected, it'll be an added bonus you can put towards your goals. As for how often you're paid, be as date-specific as possible. First and 15th, every other Friday, whatever. You need to know these time frames so that you can make your money stretch at least from one paycheck to the next. Okay, now that you know how much money you make, it's time to gather info for the next step. If you keep a check register or some other written documentation of your expenses, break it out. If you don't keep track, you'll need to print out bank statements for the past three months. If you use your credit card a lot, you'll need to print out those statements for the past three months as well. 
Pause this podcast right now and go get that information. We can't go any further without it. Got it? Good. Now let's look at how much money you're spending each month. This includes rent, utilities, food, car, gasoline, loan payments, debt payments, anything you pay on a regular monthly basis. Write all of these down and include the due dates. Of course, for things like food and gasoline, there won't be a due date, but think about when you typically shop or fill the car with gas. Once a week? Once every two weeks? When your cupboard is bare and your car is running on fumes? If that's the case, don't worry. It's an easy fix. Just make sure to write down as much information as possible. The more accurate the info, the more effective your plan will be. Now your rent, debt, and loan payments will be easy to document. You probably pay the same amount each month. But for things like the electricity bill, gas, food, telephone, etc., they'll probably vary. This is actually going to work to your advantage, but we'll get into that later. For now, write down your best estimate, but estimate high. Write down the highest amount you've paid for each bill or expense. Gather and write down an estimated monthly total for gasoline and food, no matter how many times you pay for these during the month. Estimate high on this total as well. Okay, I threw a lot at you right there, so you may want to go back and review it. But the main thing is, you need to make a list of all expenses you're paying monthly and the amount you're paying for each. Pause this recording and get this done now. Got it? Now, add the amounts of all your expenses together and subtract that number from your total income. Congratulations! You now have a clear picture of your current financial situation. If your monthly expenses are less than your total income, you have money to put toward your financial resolutions. And now you know exactly what that amount is. If your monthly expenses are equal to your total income, you'll need to look at areas you can cut expenses in order to find money to put toward your goals. Now, obviously, you can't lower your rent or mortgage payment, but you can tighten up your grocery budget, cut back on cable service, eating out, and entertainment, work on lowering your electric bill, things like that. And if it turns out that your expenses are more than your income, you really need to cut back or you'll constantly be adding to your financial stress. This is where the spending plan comes in. Creating a customized spending plan will allow you to earmark a specific dollar amount to each expense each month so that when the money hits your account, you don't have to think about it. It's already planned out. The bills will all get paid and whatever's left goes towards the goals you really care about instead of getting wasted on the countless little purchases we're all guilty of making without even thinking about it. You can create a customized spending plan using a blank Word document, Excel spreadsheet, or one of the many budgeting apps available online. I personally use YNAB, and you can find a link to it on the resources page of my website at sensiblechat.com. But there are many others, such as Every Dollar and Mint. No matter how you choose to create it, the most important thing is that you include all income you make and all the expenses you pay each month. Then, direct any leftover money to your financial goals. If you want help creating your customized spending plan, email me at sensiblechat at gmail.com. I'll walk you through the process step by step, show you what's worked for me, and teach you how to do it on your own. This is my Christmas gift to you. So if you're interested, just have questions or suggestions, shoot an email to sensiblechat at gmail.com. 
or leave a message on the contacts page at sensiblechat.com and let's get started. In the meantime, have a very Merry Christmas and here's to achieving all your financial New Year's resolutions in 2019. That does it for this edition of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. She'd love to know what you're thinking, so drop her a line at sensiblechat at gmail.com. That's sensiblechat at gmail.com with your questions, comments, or success stories. If you need help creating a spending plan, write to her at sensiblechat at gmail.com. Be sure to catch our next episode at sensiblechat.com.